Tech Cappuccino, your Saturday morning podcast with a pinch of espresso on the why and how of fintech. The show is hosted by Brian van Wachem, CEO of RedSnap, and I'm Connie Dorstein, founding partner of Bankify. Brian, it's hey, Connie, Connie here. Hi. I've got an interesting guest for our podcast. You know, it's someone I've been working with for over 20 years. But the great thing is she keeps so incredibly busy at top level, you know, in terms of content and speed. So Amazing. Who did, did you get? Well, we managed to get Annemiek Robeek to sit down, actually, for half an hour, which is quite unique. Wie? Annemieke from Nijerode, Social Finance, Abin Ambro, KLM. And, 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 indeed, yes, we did. She will be joining to talk us about, uh, with us about innovation, networked organizations, why we need multidisciplinary teams to sort complex, complex products, but most of all, what drives her keeping going at this incredible top speed. And I really want to know what's her purpose and how does she stay sane in this fast-paced world. So, All right, let's get her. See you soon. See you soon, Con. Welcome, Annemieke. It's so great to have you with us. Which song is this and, and why did you choose it? Um, I, I choose uh, um, Viva La Vida of uh, Coldplay. And I did it because um, it is uh, up-tempo, it gives energy, it is lively, and um, it is a kind of freedom. And that's I think, fits very well to a Saturday morning, when you have uh, not all the hassle you have on normal days. Okay. Hey, and Annemieke, welcome to the show. Um, what Thank you, Brian. What do you normally do on a, on a Saturday morning? Well, Saturday is, in fact, my favorite day. Um, because, um, what I said, you know, your agenda has not all those appointments uh, you have on working days. Um, and and I start most time with um, relaxing. That's something that is what I what I can't do on other days. Okay, yeah, so. so we're going to talk about that. So I'll drag you a little bit back uh, in the last week. So um, looking at the news, what caught your attention this week? Well, I I was very curious about the drone attack, mm-hmm. um, by of the drone attack on Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. um, and it's a mystery. Who's behind it? And, and I think that is uh, with my curious mind. I, I like that kind of things, yeah. you know? And, and, and particularly because uh, um, different parties can have benefits of this. So it's a kind of puzzle, you know? Yeah. It is a country that can afford to have uh, less oil production. And in the end, everybody gains who is in oil. That is a kind of paradox, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, there is a weird paradox. That's a craziness in the world. Yeah. And I was also intrigued by the technology angle there, because you imagine that all those oil fields, they have like anti-drone weaponry that sort of costs you would guess a million so. you to would shoot guess off. So. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that and, and anti, the anti-drone missile costs a million to shoot down a drone that costs probably 50,000 euros. Yeah. And, you know, the drone is too small for the missile to get it. So we're, getting, yeah. we're living in very interesting times. Yeah, but... Um 
It is interesting, and, and I, I, I hope it will not um, invoke a, a new war because no one is waiting for that. But, but it's also, you know, the kind of old-fashioned tit-tatting. It is so old-world, this. Terribly. And I think that says everything about uh, the oil-based economy that is coming to its end. Yeah. Okay. 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 Well, perfect setup. So, who's Annemiek Robeck? Annemiek Robeck has a CV as long as me arm, as the Scottish poet Robbie Burns would say. Some highlights. She's Professor of Strategy and Transformation Management at Nijenrode Business University. She set up a range of companies, amongst which Meeting More Minds, Intercompany Networking, aimed at accelerating innovation. So what can banks learn today from her expertise in innovation across the board? She's active on stage, in innovation labs, in college rooms, but also in the boardroom. She was until recently a supervisory board member at Royal Dutch Airlines and still is so at the Dutch tier one bank, ABN AMRO. Annemieke. From study to work to passion, your life is all about innovation and more importantly, deploying it in a purposeful way. Where and how did you get this bug? When did this happen to you? Well, I think already when I was very young, because um, I remember a picture when I was about four or five and I was climbing a tower and I want to be number one, not so much to be the number one, but to have the oversight and to look further than what you could see when you would just uh, stay on the ground. And, and I think that that is a good illustration that I'm always looking forward. I'm um, not the one, uh, I'm not the one who is um, um, doing history. I know my history because I know without history you can't say anything about the future. But my primary focus is on um, what kind of uh, uh, complexities are going on in terms of technology, institutional change, competition, collaboration, societal developments. And and how is that kind of spaghetti coming together to new arrangements? And I I think that's what I liked very much already when I was um, at school and I studied political science and and international economics. I I did a PhD on on the technology uh, race between OECD countries on uh, what we then called uh, information technology, uh, new materials and biotechnology and how that changed the techno-economic paradigm. But that exactly gave me the tooling um, to look far more uh, in the future than what other people did. And, and that is because when you can make the combinations of technology and you know about what is going on in industries, um, then you can um, uh, already see what might happen, but also how you can prepare for that. Yeah. And, and that is and how to prepare for is one of my drives. Because uh, looking forward, okay, uh, you have more foretellers, but I, I think that particularly preparing for it and, and working on um, um, human um, uh, policies yeah. is very important. But also, uh, for instance, uh, now what we see in companies, uh, the upskilling and reskilling is so extremely important to prevent uh, that, uh, well, hundreds of thousands of people who are reasonably skilled 
are not apt for the future. Yeah. And here is because this is what always has driven me. Whenever I was in, in, a, in, in some form of education, it was about innovation. Then I really thought like, but this isn't innovation what you're talking about. This is like proper strategy that any company would have to do. So would yeah. you, and, and you have always been able to sort of paint the real picture between you know, strategy, doing your homework as a company yeah. and innovation. So I have a, a question whether you'd yeah. like for our audience to explain it one more time. But secondly, also, why is it so hard for companies yeah. to pull innovation off the page and yeah. into an organ- and into real life? Yeah. Well, innovation is in fact the anomaly in a company. So it is not the usual case. And uh, if you also look at budgets, um, then you see that Uh, When you're lucky, then um, about 5% is for innovation. And that means that all the rest is for just keeping and keeping going on, you know, Uh, so uh, nothing new. Um, And I think a very big, um, I think um, a failure in in thinking any management is that when one invest in technology, and most times it is IT systems, uh, then they think it is innovation. And innovation is really going beyond what has been done before and doing something completely new and do that in a commercially successful way. That is an innovation. To invent something is the stage before, is really to get an idea and to make a prototype. That's what you do with inventing. Uh, And with innovation, you make the prototyping uh, commercial. Viable in a commercial environment. And and of course, with the lean way, we can do that quicker and easier and and so on. So so if we go go back and and, um, if I listen well to you, so you've always been in the area of innovation, but almost as, you know, predicting what technology could do yeah. right. Um, what are you know predictions you had for yourself that you know came came out totally different or maybe spot on? Well, I, I start with the last one, the spot on, <laughs> <laughs> because there I, I I I started also a company on. I started a company in 2006, and it was far too early. And I think that is important to know because that's also what many, I think, bright young yes. guys and girls also see that you have the good idea and you have done your homework and you have the concepts. And then I developed Blue, Blue Life Unlimited. And it was in 2006, um, the idea of having a device where you could bring together all the information about your personal health, but also about uh, the gym and, and uh, what you eat and what you drink. And, 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 and you know, all your well-being is in that device. Um, and we had um, uh, um, developed uh, roundtables with CEOs uh, from Unilever and uh, to Microsoft, uh, the Achmeas, the, the insurance companies. Everybody of the uh, CEOs loved it. And in the years after, very often when I met those CEOs, I said, what do you do with Blue? Because such a good concept. And I, and I said, your own marketeers killed it, yeah. you know, because when you come down in the list to, to really do that kind of work, and, and at that time we didn't have lean, we didn't have the scrums, everybody was really working only for its own company, for his or her own company. So very small focus and, and the idea we can do it alone, of I can do it alone. Um, then, then I saw where the institutional um, uh, 
problems are in the current companies. When you have the yes of a CEO or even a yes of the strategist, then the other layers come, and then particularly the marketeers or those who are in the business units and don't uh, want to collaborate internally or they don't want to share part of the budget with others. And and that makes uh, that uh, years later... Um, I could see that uh, one of the insurance companies fully copycatted my idea, uh, but could not make the money out of it because they and everything what I had in blue was in red. Then that was uh, very yeah. funny, very funny. Yeah. Um, but they couldn't make the money out of it because they could not collaborate uh, as I could do as an independent yeah. with all those other companies. Uh, whereas it was virtually, you know, a Fitbit. Yeah, Almost. yeah, exactly. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, comp- I must say, uh, three, four years later, so I think around 2010, uh, Microsoft came up with really very handy tooling for that, and and also with a new generation of uh, smartphones. Uh, yeah. You you saw that there, all kind of ideas were incorporated. But I, I gave it as an example of you know you can you can have a perfect idea, a perfect view of what what is necessary, and so on. And the funny thing now is when I show those pictures, and one of them I still use because it is a consumer-centric approach, which is different from what individual companies normally do. And a consumer-centric approach. And I used it also for an ecosystem strategy for a university hospital in the north of the Netherlands. And, and now they understand it. So the good thing about having a good concept is although you have invested a lot you don't <laughs> you haven't earned a penny um the concept is still right but it proves years yeah. and years later so sometimes it takes 10 15 years later before it is more or less seen as a viable idea yeah let's yeah. do it yeah. so now the university hospital is based on that idea very yeah. funny and and i think that is probably also one of the reasons why a lot of things change faster now because we do have... I do think that the technology we have available today is really very seriously different from what we had like f- five years ago. If you work with uh, technologies like Akaskala, you can build things faster mm-hmm. for, for a lot less money. Yeah. Um, and, and it really is an, an enabler for, for speed. That doesn't mean, I think, however, that everything that goes faster is better. No, and I think the other thing, uh, I did a lot of work on um, technology transfer, um, validation of technologies and, and applications of it. But it needs particularly acceptance. And I think that is the word which uh, we do not hear that often, particularly not by people who are very tech-savvy. Yeah. And acceptance is the word um, you really have to take seriously. Um, because even if you can foresee, for instance, I worked a lot on biotechnology in, in the past. Uh, I, I worked on, on the biotechnology regulation already in the late 80s for the yeah. European Parliament that kept Monsanto out of the EU, for instance, so far. Um, and that is, and and then you you can make regulation, and that is a systems approach. Um, when you have the complexity you had, and you can translate that into rulings. And for biotechnology, you can see that the acceptance was very low. Yeah, we even had a moratorium yeah. on on that in in many European countries. Um, but that was not so much the reason why biotechnology 
did not have a steep takeoff as IT, but it has to do with the fact that in biotechnology there was the professors who thought that they had a um, a very important molecule, for instance, or an, um, yeah. a small technique, and they want to keep it for themselves. And in the IT world, we saw at the same time exactly a different path, namely sharing um, uh, communities, uh, testing, uh, um, and having fun with each other. Well, in biotechnology, there was less fun, and it took more than 20 years... So, in fact, the delay of knowledge, yeah. partly because of acceptance, but also partly because of the appropriation of the knowledge, that was not theirs. Uh, and I know that Feike Siebesma, the CEO of DSM, um, years and years ago, he, uh, he told me, he said, you know, those professors really think they have something, but we are the ones, we are industry who can make the combinations. And now we have to buy so many of those small companies at overrated prices and then we have to do the real work. But, but are you saying then that uh, innovation is not a matter of technology, but more a matter of um, intention or attitude? I, I think that's a very interesting question, Brian. I think that is so interesting because the tech world, and particularly the um, uh, Silicon Valley-based um, uh, 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 tech world, always want us uh, to believe that technology is the solution. But technology is never the solution. Technology is always there. Or you can invent it, or you can develop it. But it must be a real cause. There must be something that is so difficult or... There, or to overcome and then you have to find something and technology is a part of the solution but how to make new arrangement with people with organizations with regulation and and with uh you know those nasty things technologies never want to think about that is the real thing yeah yeah, yeah. and that is, that is to your point when we spoke about earlier um you know, it is very much, whatever, whatever technology we have, it is for a market consisting of humans, and it's around culture, it's around behavior, it's around, uh, it's around ad adaption. And, um, and in that point, you know, I wanted to ask you something, because I know you're also uh, a woman who's driven by a very firm purpose in, in this whole domain. For you, it's not about, you know, building the next big thing. It's, there is definitely the purpose to change uh, things for the better. Yeah. Um, what about what I call the law? of unintended consequences eh? because you see that front runners and let's take the example of uber who really came out with the idea like we're going to be sharing we're going to save cost we're yeah. going to save energy the unintended consequence you know as authentic or inauthentic it was that was the idea um but the unintended consequences that new york now had to curb you know the licenses because there's like 1,800 more cars or whatever driving around Manhattan trying to pick up rides. Um, so, and, and it's not even their fault. If you innovate, you have unintended consequences. What is your view on that and how to deal with that? Well, let's say that uh, the big techs, um, and I think that, uh, and or the big unicorns, and I think Uber also belongs to that. Um, they might have good scriptwriters for a nice purpose, but they are old-fashioned capitalist companies yeah. that um, only work for a few pockets. And these pockets um, become fuller and fuller. And there are... St and 
well, there are still a lot of investors who believe in it, but they are still in the old paradigm. And I, I think that perhaps that Uber may have um, interesting um, 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 geographic data and, and tooling for, for their taxis. But I, in the end, I think I believe more in the tom-toms. Uh, in real companies um, instead of the Ubers who... Um, who, well, who, who, who for exactly. Where, where and, and the unintended consequence, I think that is something, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's funny you say that because when we worked on the new technologies already from the, from the 80s, then one of the first things that was set up were the um, offices for um, uh, technology assessment and impact of technology was extremely hot during the 90s but now you don't hear that much about it even here in the netherlands we have the ratenau institute um you don't hear them that much anymore you know it's gone to ethics and and more softer things yeah. i published an article in 1994 about um, the impact of robotics in the car industry and i did a lot of uh, uh, interviews all, all worldwide and the funny thing was that then we could estimate very well what the um, impact would be. But only a few years ago, we saw that the trade unions were making a lot of fuss out of these robotics that were there already for 25 years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that is also, again, that acceptance, adaptation, yeah? My goodness, you know, uh, be glad that there are instruments that save, of that, that lead to safe working places. And now the bots in the... Uh, financial industry, for, in for instance, or in the service industry, they, they have an enormous impact, far more than the robotics in the car industry, I would say. Yeah. I want to bring you back to the bank, because, because we all yeah. know you're also in the supervisory board of ABN AMRO, yeah. and it's a very interesting point on, on innovation, and that's more an attitude and more a culture thing than a technology thing. So what I see is that banks are investing hugely in technology nowadays, yeah. Um, and innovation is not really taking off yet. Um, so how do you, as a supervisory board, you know, influence this whole process, if any, if, if you do? Or what is your role in this we whole We push thing? a lot for innovation. And we even said to our technology officer and, and also to our former technology officer, you could have more. You could have more money. But it must be on innovation, you know, on new things. And, and as, as a bank, as ABN AMRO, I think we have been um, rather successful in um, New 10, for instance, uh, as, as a new platform. Uh, but also, I think, in, um, in all kind of, of apps for uh, particularly our uh, uh, um, private clients uh, and for the retail. But I, uh, I'm uh, with you uh, when you say, well... A lot of money, but how much is really in that? Uh, uh, how much money is really going into innovation? And I think a very good example now is the that hundreds of millions go into the um, um, know your customer. Uh, yeah, the know your customer. And when I ask in the board, mm, but can't we have then a innovative big data approach on it to do the trade um, money-based laundering uh, to see the real patterns and uh, to do a lot of prevention with that? Then they say, yeah, 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 but, but we have to comply first to uh, the central bank, you know? And that is, in fact, uh, missing the point because then you 
you put a lot of money to uh, activities that will never end up in innovations. No, no. And my question here is because I have, um, as you know, you know, we're trotting around Europe with our open banking uh, innovations, etc. And I can't help but see a correlation between boards with people who are more tech-savvy or younger, etc., and who are sort of getting it more. And then you look at the data, and and, uh, recently Accenture came out, and you see that, you know, it's like, I don't know, but it's like literally uh, 8% of the board has a technology background. Uh, 30% of the banks have uh, only one board member with a professional technology background. Only three, only three percent. Only three percent. It's it's yeah. worse even. Yeah. So my question is, how do we break through this idea? Because we still have this idea that in order to sit on the board, you have to be sort of white and ancient, and you know, yeah. with a lot of banking expertise. Yet these people take incredibly incisive decisions, going going, you know, decades forward when they are no longer with the bank. No, no, but that is, you know, I, I think uh, I'm now at ABN AMRO for 10 years and I can tell you that... But any bank. Or yeah, any, any bank. Yeah, but a few years ago it was easier to have much more diversity in terms of skills and experience in the banks and in the boards than what you have now because the ECB really um, dictates more or less the profile yeah. of the board and they only want to have bankers, bankers, bankers. And then you think, oh, but uh, there was something wrong with that, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, 2008, uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that you're you're totally right. Um, um, but my way of working then, for instance, and I, I do think that in terms of sustainability or in terms of, of innovation, uh, we, we do make progress. But that is because I go through all the layers of the bank and I work with all these younger people or interesting people. I bring them together. And very often I, I do that with one of the board members who, you know, protects me, but also gives a room for that. Um, but very often these are not the people um, in... in um, but this is not a common way of working as, as a board member. Very often it is um, it's more sitting than active working with. Yeah. Annemiek, a final one, because I, th- I think we'll need another podcast to talk with you. And I, I'm actually delighted we spoke so much about other industries as well, because that, that we learn from other industries in the fintech industry. Um, and before we let you to, you know, enjoy the rest of your Saturday, um, you dream big. So what would be your ideal role, you know, to really leave a mark in this industry, if you would say, well, this is a non-exact thing I could do or something else I could do, what would you do? What would you like to do? Um, you mean in the financial industry? No, I mean just, for just... you in your life. I mean, do you want to yeah, oh, sit I, oh. on top of the new European investment board that they're setting up, fund? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, the red current through my learning path is always that I did that with a lot of young people. And um, I must confess, I set up a new company again, um, but based on a lot of research uh, uh, in an industry, because I think only when you do deep dives and you know how and why and what you can really um, dare to set up a new company, and it's called Grow Next. And the purpose of Grow Next is uh, feeding mega cities with a totally new data-driven um, uh 
food production concept uh, for which we need many data scientists and many software developers. And I think it would be a good idea when many of the fintech who will um, go bankrupt anyhow in the coming years uh, also orientate. The talent, uh, the talent the joins you. May, may, um, may call me. All right, we have okay. to uh, wind up, I, th I think. And uh, so, um, Annemiek, um, people can, can find you um, because normally I ask always, like, where can people read about you? But I think you're so well over the internet that people, you know, uh, can find you. I'm so, an open book. Yeah, I know. So, curious, which music weekend favorites Annemiek brought with her? Check out www.fintechcappuccino.com slash Annemieke Robeek. Annemieke, thank you for letting us sit at your kitchen table in the Fintech Cappuccino podcast. Thank you, it was a pleasure. And thank you for listening to Fintech Cappuccino. Don't want to miss another cup? Subscribe to our podcast via Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. And please give us a like, a review for today's Innovation Rebel, so many more Fintech Cappuccino lovers can find us. Please join us again in a few weeks. Saturday morning at 9. We'll have the coffee ready just the way you like it.